0: Hey, Ding Dongs. Welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast normally about NBC's The Good Place. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, she has four invisible friends watching over her. It's my sister, Marissa. Don't go! Oh, God. (laughs) God, that was, like, very upsetting for... (laughs) All right, we should talk about what we're talking about. Uh, So now that The Good good Place is on hiatus, we're, we're back to our theme months, which we kind of do in between... Uh, where we watch movies and TV somehow related to the good place, and it's or themes. not if we don't feel like it, <laughs> or not sometimes. But this month's theme is Marissa named this the time of your afterlife, uh, <laughs> wherein we watch non-scary movies about ghosts, spirits, the afterlife, all that good stuff.
1: Yeah, none of this happy death day to you or whatever. That's no, 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 not
0: on the plate. No, n- n- no, like I know what you did last summer. Nope, Nothing nope, that's nope, like nope. no, we don't do that. Uh, so this week's pick was Marissa's pick. It is a 1993, so early 90s drama called Heart and Souls starring a young Robert Downey
1: Jr. A and very I, young and foxy Robert Downey very Jr. Very young,
0: very foxy, very charming. And I have to say, before we get into it, that I was prepared for this movie to be <laughs> horrendo. You I was so, so convinced. I was you so, were so convinced that I had picked another stinker. I was so salty about having to do this movie. <laughs> and I have to say, it won me over. Like, uh-huh. it
1: was good. I enjoyed this motion picture. As- and it's such a shame because it is completely unavailable <laughs> in all formats. You cannot buy a DVD of it like a new dvd of it you cannot stream it anywhere what you can do is search youtube and find a janky ripped copy of it which, which is, is what we did what we did yeah i enjoyed this movie it I, was really good yeah it was really good it shouldn't be good, but it is good. <laughs> yeah. I so, think it's the strength of the of the cast, mostly.
0: I agree. I 100% agree. In lesser hands, this would be a giant mess. Before we get into the recap, a little bit of housekeeping up front. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and at goodplay.cast.rocks. Please rate and review us on your podcast app of choice. You can also follow and like us on Facebook. We have a group called The Good Play. Twitter... Uh we are at the Good Play Pod. Uh obviously no sort of like live tweeting going on anymore because of the hiatus sob, but like we'll be back. We'll we'll post stuff as it's you know, as it comes up about the show. Yeah. Um and you can send us an email at thegoodplaypod at gmail
1: so before we get into the recap, just to say how I found this movie, uh, I think I just googled like movies about the afterlife, and that just this just came up on a list, maybe on yeah. IMDb or something. And I watched the trailer, and I was like, "This is it. We're doing this. I'm I'm hooked already." And you were like, "I don't know about all this. This is good. You thought it was going to be a repeat of that uh, Whoopi Goldberg, Ted made in America. Movie. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, that's exactly which what is I from thought. the same era. It may even be the same year. Yeah."
0: I but was it's like definitely not. I was like this is 1993 <laughs> when you could get a movie made for on like a wish and a song at the like you know what I mean like the the cinema bo- like the box office was a lot different in 1993. Yeah, it sure was. And I was fully prepared to be like really salty about the movie <laughs> and it won me over. How I many times did you cry? I didn't cry. Oh,
1: I did. <laughs> but I multiple times. Caught
0: But I caught myself being like, "aww," and then be like, "ah, dang it!" (laughs) I was like, "This movie is supposed to be garbage, and it's not." It is not myself. (laughs) So
1: I will let you know when I said
0: "aww." I will I will (laughs) call it out in the in the recap.
1: Right. So the movie begins. So the whole movie takes place in San Francisco. And it begins in nineteen. when San Francisco was livable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those halcyon days. Wow, it's uh, 60 years. And the place has become uh, a dystopian nightmare. <laughs> so that's great. So 1959, San Francisco. We have a couple of vehicles in motion here, basically. I mean, there is a lot of buildup to what eventually happens. But in one car, we have a man and his pregnant wife and the baby is imminently arriving on a bus what is it really a bus or is it a trolley it doesn't it have that thing up on the top that it draws power from it, does that make it yeah, a, it's a trolley? trolley okay it doesn't it looks like a bus though so we we follow these four characters who all get on this bus and but we're i'm just going to cut to the part where they're actually on the yeah. bus and kind of give give the little backstory about who each of them is yeah and they're all such amazing actors. It's this like this cast is so star studded. It's unbelievable. It's so good. <laughs> it doesn't deserve to be. The, you know what I mean? <laughs> just just because you think supernatural premises are gonna be uh, corny or something.
0: I'm sorry. I I, I do not think that supernatural <laughs> premises are a problem, given the fact that I reference the show Supernatural every other episode of this podcast. But
1: that's a TV show, not a movie.
0: But that's the same thing, though. I don't have a... I don't say that movies have to be... or TV has to be better than movies.
1: Okay, anyway. So, okay. <laughs> the four people who are on this bus, there's uh, Charles Grodin as Harrison who we see that he has just auditioned for a choir, but he gets stage fright at the last minute and he can't perform, and he... It, it's implied that he's done this many times with many auditions. Penny... <laughs> why? I know! Played by Alfrey Woodard. Who is? Yes, she's so good. She she tucks her three small children into the same bed to go work the night shift. I think she's like at a call center or something. just like an operator or something. Yeah, Julia, the as you say, the legend, Kira Sedgwick She's so good. I'm <laughs> sorry. Oh, sorry. Can you just for for? I just need twenty seconds of you pretending to be her, pretending to be the closer. Can you just do that for me?
0: Oh, wait, we used to do this. Mom uh-huh. loves the closer. Yep. It is hot time <laughs>
1: that you start telling the truth about this case. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> Thank you. I needed that. <laughs> so Julia is a very young waitress who her boyfriend, who ha, they've been like physically apart for a while, but, you know, cause she came to like make it in the city or something. It's not totally clear what she's there to do. In the city but
0: she so when she's fighting with her boyfriend she says like I don't want to be like my mom she never kind of like tried to li- live her own life or go out anywhere I think she just wants to see if she can like live on her own in the big city mm-hmm. because he bought them a farm basically right and she's not so up on that
1: so he comes to tell her basically to propose and say i bought this farm and she's like i can't then she leaves but then she immediately is like no no no! i was wrong i need to get him back the last guy on the bus is milo played by tom sizemore who is kind of a greaser yeah Yeah. and uh he's, he's yeah uh he breaks into who's the who's the like mobster who's in the house or whatever. I have no idea. This he's setup from, makes he's from... no sense to me. No, like... I know. I know. But he's from, um, uh, uh Sister Act. He's one of the, he's yes. one of the, the mooks in Is Sister he? Act. Yes. Okay. So he just gets typecast. <laughs> yes. So Milo kind of breaks into this tough guy's house to steal back a sheet of rare stamps, like collector stamps, that Milo had stolen on his behalf because Milo wants to steal them back and give them to this kid. From a
0: child. He stole yeah, from them a, from he a child.
1: stole them from a child. So all four of these, Harrison, Penny, Julia, and Milo, are all on a bus together. Then David Pamer... <laughs> Again, this cast is amazing. David Pamer, as the driver, is watching a woman out the window of the bus Ugh, so kind gross. of get felt up and he gets so distracted that he magnificently i mean horribly horribly crashes this trolley or bus or whatever and so they like skid off an overpass and we see david Paymer like basically his spirit leave the bus and just kind of float up To heaven, I guess. It's never... The theology of this movie is super unclear. Yeah. (laughs) And then the four passengers are kind of standing there. Well, their spirits are standing there. Like, well, what do we do now? And then they all get pulled into this car with this woman who is like... Like, the baby is crowning in the car, basically. And the four of them all get pulled into this car with this baby who is born. So then we get to see, like, sort of a montage of... This baby, whose name is Thomas, that this baby is the only person who can see these four people, these four spirits, and they are always with him. Yeah, <laughs> and they never get to rest or go anywhere or do anything else. So they, they basically
0: are physically tethered to him. Like, yeah, you know, they can't be too far apart from him. Basically. Milo
1: often tries to walk away and gets like yanked back by an invisible hand. Yeah. So they're just constantly like entertaining him because there's like literally nothing else to do. <laughs> so they're just constantly entertaining him, and he loves them, and they're basically his uh, his own personal like <laughs> quartet of nannies, kind of. Yeah. And at one point, you know, the the mom Penny made up this song called "The Mom Who Died," not his mom, not his. Sorry, mom. yes, Alfred Woodard, Penny, yeah. She made up this song called Hug-A-Bug for her little boy, which, God, the fact that she's taken away from her three young children, like, I, it wrecked me in this movie. And at one point, we see, like, baby Thomas say, hug-a-bug, and her, his parents are like, where'd he pick that up? So then, you know, like, you know, the montage continues, and he's in school, and, you know, the spirits are, like, hanging out in his first-grade classroom, because, <laughs> like, what else are they going to do? Right. And they... They just are like constantly around, like talking to him, tutoring him, or whatever. And they, they sing, encouraging uh, him. And- yeah. They sing, walk like a man, while he's in the bathroom by himself, which is sort of the first hint that up the people around him are noticing. Cause he, cause Thomas sings along with them and dances. And it's sort of the first hint that the, Adults around him are starting to notice that he is strange because you can imagine that a very young child who had imaginary, sorry, who had invisible friends, like, wouldn't act much differently. <laughs> but once you get into elementary school, like, yeah, that starts to be noticeable. Yeah. So when he's seven, you know, we see up on the roof, like, right above Thomas's bedroom, basically, Julia and Penny are having, like, heart to heart conversation because Penny's, like, Penny's like, I just want to know that my kids are okay. And Julia's like, oh, you were such a great mom. I'm sure that they, you know, are drawing strength from that. And then they, and and Julia's like, I still think about my boyfriend. And they're both just sort of sad. And it's, 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 it's rough. It's sad. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and we see a scene of, like, they go to the racetrack and Milo kind of bullies Thomas or convinces Thomas to lay a bet for him. And, and has Thomas pretend that he's like, my dad's going to beat me if you he, if he, if he don't take this bet for me. So because of this, because it's happened multiple times, it's implied, because of this, child welfare comes to the house and is like, do you beat your child? Do you make him go buy, like, racetrack bets for you? And the dad's like, I've never been to the racetrack and no and the dad and mom start fighting about, like, yeah. You know, and Thomas can hear them. You know, the dad basically thinks Thomas needs to be sent to a mental institution. And the mom is like, he's just imaginative. And the spirits start arguing amongst themselves, like, why are we here? And, you know, are we doing more harm than good to this child? And they all love him is the problem, right? Yeah. And he, and he, Thomas loves all of them. And they they're just, like, really strongly bonded. But they decide that they can't, keep appearing to him because ultimately, it's going to end up with Thomas in a mental institution. So, they wake him up, you know, and they say, you know, remember how we talked about, we're not we weren't sure how long we were going to be with you and, like, it's time for us to go now. And Thomas is, like, crying and asking them, like, begging them not to go and they kind of each say goodbye one by one and they disappear one by one. (laughs) really (laughs) upsetting. Oh, this was my first time crying. Yes. (laughs) Like, this was like it's like the movie Up, where the first part is almost like a short film in and of itself, and it makes you cry. Yeah. Like this is longer, but like it was still like this could have functioned as a movie in its own right without yeah. much of else, much of anything else. So now we fast forward to 1993. <laughs> it's the beginning of the Clinton years. Like
0: everyone's driving sports cars and, and doing the filing Not- for bankruptcy. <laughs>
1: We're not quite doing the Macarena yet, but it's on the horizon. (laughs) So Thomas has grown up to be Robert Downey Jr., who is the... Right, well, he is your stock character who doesn't let anybody get close to him and does all these cold-hearted business deals. You know, (laughs) like Richard Gere in Pretty Woman. Like, just always doing business deals. (laughs) (laughs) And tearing companies apart with no no regard for how people feel about it and all yeah. the spirits are have, still have to follow him everywhere and they are like so over it <laughs> <laughs> they they're like disappointed in who he's become and they're like tired of this life and they just are like ugh and they're like always like jabbering amongst themselves about how annoyed they are with everything basically <laughs> they're like a really
0: sassy greek chorus <laughs> yes. that
1: just sort of <laughs> I, you have to give credit to all the actors who are in the scenes with them who have to pretend that they don't see or hear them. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I'm like, this true. must have been really hard because there's no way if I have Charles Grodin like saying something snarky <laughs> three inches away from me, like, how am I not going to react to that?
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: it was great. Uh, at some point, his girlfriend, Elizabeth Shue, whose name is Anne in this movie, invites him to lunch like this at this like little she set up this little private lunch at the botanic gardens which is really beautiful and all the spirits are like she's the one like lock it down thomas yeah don't (laughs) screw it up yeah like you always screw up everything and anne is like i want you to meet my parents and thomas is like yeah i mean eventually i want you i want to meet your parents i guess (laughs) so it's very you know it's the classic hollywood you know non-committal man nonsense right i swear she only puts up with him because he looks like robert downey jr (laughs) (laughs) look that's that's a thing right i mean you would put up with a lot from someone to look like 1993 rdj yep or today rdj (laughs) (laughs) he's grizzled yo i don't care okay so At, at this point i don't know how they achieved this by the way I, this must have been like they really put a bus inside a botanic garden, right? Because they did not have the technology to do this with CGI at all. But at this point, David Pamer, like flies in his magical spirit trolley into the botanic garden and is like, okay, hi, I'm here to get all you guys because it turns out this... He, I'm paraphrasing. It turns out this movie universe souls are reincarnated. And there are babies being born, and those babies need souls, so, like, get on the bus. (laughs) And they're like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, remember when that angel came down and explained to you how you can use the body of this child to resolve your unfinished business? Well, like, you should have done that, like, 15 years ago, and so now here I am. Okay, let's go. And they're like, yeah, we never got a briefing from an angel, Broseph. And they're super mad at him because he's the bus driver who got them all killed, which uh, that's legit, right?
0: Yeah, I would be too.
1: So they talk him into giving them just like a tiny bit more time, basically. And And he also informs them something they didn't know. Like, you can take over Thomas's body whether or not he's willing, right? So they get in the car with Thomas, you know, he's just driving somewhere else. And they're like, okay, we have to become visible and audible to him. Like, how do we do that? So they, like, try everything, and then they sing, talk like a... Sorry, they sing, walk like a man, and it kind of gets in his head, and then they start, like, yelling at him, and he, like, kind of wakes up and notices them, and he crashes his car, (laughs) because he's, like, freaky. Obviously, you would freak out, too, right? Yeah. So in the hospital, they're all sitting around waiting for him to wake up, and he, like, kind of, like, opens one eye, and they're like, hey, Thomas, hey, buddy, uh, hi, remember us, we need you to do us a favor. And he like staggers out of bed, goes up to the psych ward, finds a lunatic, <laughs> yeah, and says to the woman, "Hi, um, are there any people with me?" And she's like, "Yeah." Uh, and then she describes like Penny, Julia, Harrison, yeah. Milo, and he's like, "Okay, great." <laughs> so they're real cool. I actually really appreciated. One thing I really appreciated about this movie was that they wasted no time on anything. Like, everything was very compact and tight, and, like, there were no, like, oh, there's going to be consequences or fallout of this thing, so now we're all going to, like, be anxious about the fallout or consequences of this thing, and it's not going to happen for another half an hour. You know what I mean? Like I don't know what you mean, actually. So, for instance, fast-forwarding a little bit, like, the whole break-in and to the house and get the stamps, like, that never comes back. It's not like, oh, and now there's a warrant out for Robert Downey Jr.'s arrest, and now he has to talk his way out, blah, 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 Right. Oh, I see. Or here, like in the hospital, there's nothing like, well, you know, we can't release you out of the hospital. Like you've been in a car accident. You have to be here. Like like, there's just none of the shenanigans of like, let's pile on additional conflict. Yeah. It's just like, let's get to the core conflict as neatly and as incisively as possible and then get out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Thomas goes to like a boardroom meeting and there's like a bunch of, you know, white people sitting around a table basically. And he's trying to ignore the spirits, but they're, like, yelling at him. And so it's really hard. So Julia and Milo both take over his body at different times to, like, basically to bully him into helping them.
0: Yeah, because he has said, like, I'm, now that he can see them again, they're like, oh, great, you can see us. You have to help us. And he's like, there's no way I'm helping you you abandoned me and I went into therapy because I thought I was crazy when I was a little kid. And I like, I thought these were hallucinations and like, where have you been basically? So he's really bitter.
1: So yeah. He, I mean, he it's doesn't kind of to help them. There were, there were no good options for these people. Right. It's like, it's really hard to think what they could have done. There's this really, he's obviously like drawn a picture of them and it hangs above his bed when he's yeah, little. That just yeah. about killed me. It's him holding hands with all the four of them. Anyway, so because Thomas keeps getting body snatched by them, Mm -hmm. (laughs) he basically has no choice. He's like, fine, I'll help you, like, just to get you off my back. So they do Milo first. Milo goes into Thomas's body, breaks into this house that he broke into on the day that he died, steals these stamps. And, you know, this this is his unfinished business, getting these stamps back to this kid. So there's like a narrow escape and it's like, you know, hijinks, hijinks, whatever thomas's car gets towed because he has outstanding parking tickets and but they managed to get to the they managed to get to the the apartment of the guy who owned the stamps when he was a little kid they like find him in the phone book which i was like wow that was a different time yeah <laughs> like they go to a payphone and there's a phone book there and i was like wow that that would have been helpful <laughs> like can't do that anymore
0: nope
1: but they find this kid and they like uh, Thomas like knocks on the door, drops the stamps on the car on the front mat, and then like they kind of run away to watch from. You know, the spirits can just stand there and watch, and the kid like gets his stamps back. So Milo's he's a grown man now. He's knocks. a grown man now, and because it's you know thirty plus years, thirty three years later, and so Milo's work on this planet is done. Meanwhile, Thomas and Anne have this fight about they missed. He missed meeting Anne's parents because of this hijinks with the stamps. And she's like, I don't even have... I see your note in the, mm-hmm. in the notes. She's like, you know, the, I don't have a key to your apartment. He's like, you want a key to my apartment? She's like, it's a symbol of the fact that, like, you're not really invested in this relationship. And he doesn't Ooh, seem to really I, get it. I, I felt her so much.
0: So much. <laughs> Listeners, I dated a guy for a long time who never gave me the keys to his place, and um, among other things. And after watching this movie... I like to think that he was being standoffish with me because he has four spirits following him around <laughs> trying to get him to, to, you know, help them. And he, you know, I, I like to think
1: that's why <laughs> it didn't work out. <laughs> so at this moment, David Pamer, well, yeah, we, the Bush never gets a name, does he? David uh, Pamer. Sh- it does. He does. I saw it on Wikipedia, but I think okay. his name is like Al or something. Whatever yeah David Pamer shows up in his giant spirit bus and is like, "Hey, Milo, get on the bus and and it, like they didn't realize they're like can't can't you wait until we're all done and then you'll take all of us and he's like, Nope, get on the bus, baby's being born, need souls, get on the bus, which is like, okay, but like <laughs> there's an ever increasing number of humans, so you must be manufacturing some new souls, right? So just make some new soul. Okay, no. Okay, fine. Uh, we need the soul of this, like, low-level grifter. <laughs> so Milo gets on the, you know, teary goodbyes from everybody, and this is where, like, Thomas really sort of starts to understand the stakes of all of this, I think, because he sees the bus for the first time. Yeah. And... You know, they say goodbye, and, and Thomas kind of does, like, finger guns at him, which was their thing when he was little. And and then he's gone, and it's just the three spirits and Thomas left. So now they're going to look for Penny's kids. They need to know what happened to Penny's kids, which is just like, oh, God, like, <laughs> why? This
0: is rough, yeah.
1: Yes, it is. So they go back to her old neighborhood, which is totally different, and Penny's like, you know, all everyone I knew here is gone, and how am I, how am I ever going to find what happened? But then they find her old neighbor who's like ancient now, although she's like in bad old people makeup. That's how yeah. this movie kind of does they find her old neighbor. And she's like, well, I know where the two girls are, but I lost track of the boy. Cause he was in, in and out of like foster care and group homes and stuff Why like that. Why
0: Wouldn't they have keep all three kids
1: together? So I think that that's usually a goal of social services, but in 1959, possibly trying to find homes for three people, Black siblings probably would have been a little hard. Yeah, maybe. And I mean, like, I, it's just, it strikes me as plausible that they would be like, "Well, we have a home for the two girls, so let's separate them." As horrible as that sounds, yeah. So they know. So the, they have a they have a family name because she says, "Oh, the girls used to send me Christmas cards or whatever." So they have a family name for the family who adopted the girls, and and a location, so they they know where to look for the girls. But the boy is just totally gone but they're like well maybe the sisters know where their brother is so they try to drive to sacramento which is where this is far right they try to drive to sacramento to find penny's kids but they're like but they're like stuck in traffic and then they say like and i think it's is it julia who has the idea or no it's Alton. oh penny yeah oh so okay so penny is like okay Let's just pull the car over here because there's a BB King show at the House of Blues. yeah, and they lie their way backstage, and the way this is achieved is by Petty jumping into Thomas's body. <laughs> Would you like to talk about that? All credit to Robert Downey Jr.
0: for <laughs> being each one of these people in turn and kind of nailing it) <laughs> This was one of the things that won me over about this movie was... Oh, yeah. RDJ gave
1: it his all, Yes. Like, how just committed he was to to this. At this point, if I met him, I'd be like, I am such a huge fan of Heart and Souls. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, mind you, like, obviously he's Iron Man, but,
0: like, he's been in Zodiac. Like, he's done some really, like... Prestige stuff in the in the latter part of his career, but this this was i guess I don't know where this falls in I like, think it was his last film before rehab, okay, so okay, so he was like, "I'm giving it my all, <laughs> and then he you know spiraled out a little bit um yeah, he just did a great job. It's a little I think now you might have a tough time.
1: yes, I was thinking the same thing
0: with a white guy playing a middle-aged black lady. Right. It it was a tad reminiscent to me of like, oh, this is how, like, you know how he plays that guy in Tropic Thunder and he's like always oh, geez, in... Oh, jeez,
1: I forgot. Yeah, yes. so
0: he's like always in makeup and he's like a super method actor. So like he is constantly talking as his character. You know, I was like, oh, this was like a nice precursor to that.
1: <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> you know?
0: But it... He like really commits
1: and so he sold it for me. I don't know. <laughs> like, I think it
0: was Yeah, I and enjoyed season... it and I
1: was like, yeah, I don't know if this would fly in 2019, but Yeah. It it works, I think. Yeah.
0: And the same thing for the boardroom scene, like when he has to be Milo and Julia, like he does both of them really well.
1: I felt like when he was Julia there was a there was a little more like gay panic in the boardroom then but also that's sort of period appropriate yeah so it's kind of uh, yeah, that is yeah. appropriate, yeah so anyway they like they con their way onto the stage which is you know it's it's a room full of people waiting for bb king and then and and thomas totally takes over it's hilarious he just goes all right harrison like this is happening now and he goes up and he says everyone please rise for our national anthem," because he's like <laughs> what am i gonna sing
0: that they can't immediately get me off stage
1: I I thought that was like a pretty good gambit. Quick thinking. Yes. Quick thinking Thomas. (laughs) So, yeah. So, and then, and then Harrison's like, no, no, that's like a really technically challenging song, which is true. It's really technically challenging song and I can't do it. And yeah. And Thomas says to him, you know, Thomas says to him, you died a failure because you never tried, which is like, ouch, but also true.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's because he's like, I, I'm, I'm gonna choke. I always choked. I'm such a failure. And he
1: goes, look, look, you're a failure because you never tried to do, yeah. So, and that's the thing that gets Harrison to jump into Thomas's body, and he beautifully sings the national anthem <laughs> and BB King, and he forgets shows the words up. a couple times, but Julia and Penny like cue him, which is yeah. pretty funny. And B.B. King comes
0: on stage and starts playing. In the middle of
1: it and starts riffing on the guitar. Like, with this dee complete dee dee stranger. Dee it's great. It is great.
0: It reminded yeah. me of, you know, in a Goofy movie when they're doing <laughs> yes. the, when he gets on stage and they're doing the perfect cast and then Powerline comes out and he's like, yeah, that's pretty cool. I'll roll
1: with it. The 90s. Yeah. God, what a halcyon time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So, yeah, and it turns out Anne and her parents are at this concert, so awkward. Although her parents don't realize that it's him up on stage, so it kind of avoids some of the awkwardness. Yeah. But literally, while they're on stage, David Pamer drives the bus onto the stage. Of course, nobody can see it except Thomas and the Spirits. And he's like, you know, Harrison, get in. And Harrison's like, okay, like, Thomas, thank you so much.
0: Yeah, and that he, gets
1: really on, yeah he gets on the bus and he's gone. And now it's just Thomas and the two women. Outside the concert hall, Anne and Thomas have another big fight. It's and not, it's, he, no, it's not
0: outside the concert hall. It's outside the police station because he gets dragged oh, right. off stage and right. brought and to the, the same, police station. Right. And
1: the same police officer who was on him about the unpaid parking tickets is like, what is the actual matter with you? <laughs> <laughs> and Thomas is like, I just had to do it. And the t- officer's like, okay, if I let you go, can you, like, not do anything like this ever again please just be cool cool. and thomas (laughs) is like yes 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 i can be cool thank you so much (laughs) so then thomas and ann have this fight in the parking lot of the police station and she's like yeah i saw you on stage like and you sang really beautifully and like what else are you keeping from me but
0: also you said you had to work tonight and that's why you couldn't hang out with my parents (laughs) so she thinks he's like
1: leading a double life which he kind of is at this moment yeah So they have a fight and she drives off and Julia and Penny are like, no, you shouldn't have let her drive off Thomas. And he's like, we have to get you guys your like closures or like the bus is going to come for you and it's going to be too late. So they get in Thomas's car. He backs out of a parking spot and he immediately rear ends the same police officer who is the one who has been like dealing with him at the station over and over again. And he gets out and he's like, what is the actual matter with you? And Thomas is like, I'm so sorry. Like, Oh, my God. I just need to get out of here. I really need to get out of here. And then it turns out that this police officer is in the car with his wife and baby. And because there's been an accident, the wife gets out. She takes the baby out. And then the police officer takes the baby and starts singing. Okay, this is the other part where I was crying. Uh, this is another part where I was crying. He starts singing the... The hug bug song the hug a bug song to her and penny's like oh my god i made that song up and i only sang it to my kids like that's my son that's my son and robert downey jr remembers the song too because she used to sing it to him right 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 so he's like are you what's the son's name billy billy right he's like is are you billy And and the police officer's like to my friends and he's like were you a adopted and he's like man what are you and he's like no 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 no!" and he makes up this story that's actually like thomas is great at thinking on his feet basically yeah he makes up yeah he makes up the story that the day of the bus crash which was the day he was born penny got taken to the same hospital that his mother got taken to and that while she was dying and delirious she was singing the hug a bug song so his so thomas's mother like heard it in the hospital and then taught it to him and so he and and like and and his mother like found out something about penny or whatever so he basically concocts the story that like it holds together enough in the moment right where he's like yeah he's like it must be you right Pe- your mother was penny i forget her last name say smith washington thank you it's like your mother was penny washington and you lived on the street like right and they're like super freaked out, and he's like, Do you know where your sisters are? And he says, No, I've never been able to find my sisters. And he's like, I know where your sisters are. Here's the city, here's the family name. Like, that's where they got adopted to. And, you know, he's just like, Your mother would have been so proud of you. And Penny is like standing there and crying, and she can't hug him. And it's so because none of the spirits can interact with any physical objects, basically. And she's so overcome and she takes over his body for a minute and gives him a hug and gives she her ju- son a hug. She gives, right. She gives Billy a hug and she whispers in her e- whispers in his ear. I never left you which just, just like, <laughs> I why. so of course it's Thomas saying this. So it's slightly weird for Billy. Yeah. I'm sure. But then like, and uh, by the way, the bus, the, David Paymer's bus, has been pulled up for like half of this conversation. Like, <laughs> yeah, and so it's a lot of like
0: this scene was tough because it was a lot of like cross talking because it's David Paymer saying, "Get on the bus, get on the bus." Robert Downey Jr. trying to have a conversation with this police sergeant, and then also Alfred Woodard talking to Kira Sedgwick, like, "Oh my god, this is my son." And then also like what what made me like be like, "Oh," is like. Oh, and this is my granddaughter. Oh, like, yes. Like, the little oh, girl my God. for the first yes. time. And they can't. <laughs> so, like, there's a lot of lot of cross-talking going on. But then, yeah, so Alfie Woodard. And she's so proud. She's like, oh,
1: my baby's a police officer. Like, yeah. she's, like, really proud. Like, yeah. oh, my God. This wrecked me. I really yeah. did. It was It was tough stuff. So then Penny says goodbye to Thomas and she says, you know, now I have to say goodbye to both my sons, you know, in the same moment, which but, was very tough. Yeah. That,
0: that was rough. And then yes. but she's like what's I mean, this is how good this actress is. Like she plays this very emotional moment and then you can tell like she's now that she knows what has happened to her kids.
1: Especially like it's it's implied that Billy so Billy's the baby and he was like kind of her baby. You know what I mean? Like yeah, like he was the one who was like I don't want you to go to work. Like, yeah, that, he was the yeah. most attached. Like there was definitely a special bond between. Not that every mother and child doesn't have a special bond, but like you have that kid who is sort of your kid. And so
0: now that she knows that he's okay, she's like totally fine to go, like to have her soul assumed back into the, you know, heaven or whatever. Whatever. And <laughs> as she's leaving, she's like, okay, like, I love you, but also like, you know, don't drive so fast and you should call your mom every once in a while yes. and junior. <laughs> it's yes. great. Yes.
1: yes, it's great. She's like giving like last minute, like super mom advice. Yeah. And she goes and she's like totally at peace. Like you yeah, said, it's, that's it's really beautiful. Meant. Yeah. So now they're, we, they know they're on this ticking clock for Julia. So Julia and Thomas get in Thomas's car after I guess they've cleared up this thing with Billy and his car. And they just, like, floor it to to drive to this farm that Julia's boyfriend bought. And the bus kind of overtakes them at one point, and Robert Downey Jr. kind of, like, goes around it, and David paymer's like, he thinks he can outrun, like, a ghost bus? Like, what? <laughs> What is the matter with him? So when they get to the farm that they're going to, like, Ghostbus is already there because it turns out, like, doesn't have to obey the laws of physics. Right. (laughs) But Thomas starts, like, arguing, like, hardcore with the driver. Like, you don't get to take her yet. Like, she didn't have enough time. And, like, you guys screwed up and, like, get away from her.
0: Yeah, he's really, like, at this point, what I liked about it was, like, he's very invested because at the beginning, he's like, I'm not going to help you. And then even after he helps Milo he's like i have a life to lead like you know i can't just do everything that you want me to do but i think after the experience with penny he kind
1: of understands like what a big deal this is and so and the stakes for the women are way higher than the stakes for the men
0: yeah totally and so you know he's he's really
1: like angry for her and sticks up for her right and they and they forge Well, she takes over his body so she can write, like, a goodbye letter to him. And he's going to say... To her boyfriend. To her boyfriend. And so Thomas is going to say, like, you know, I found this paper, basically. (laughs) This is a letter for you. I found it. But they get to the farm and they knock and they find the guy who lives there now who is not her boyfriend. And he's like, oh, yeah, the guy who owned this place died, like, seven years ago. And Julia is just devastated. And it's, like, (laughs) it's, like, the pathetic fallacy where it starts raining, like, just on the two of them. Yeah. Because she's just, like, she's destroyed, like, because apparently, like, the metaphysics of this universe is that, like, that guy's soul now is, like, in some seven-year-old kid, right? Like, yeah. it's not as if she even gets to say, like, well, okay, I'll see him in heaven, because it doesn't seem to be, like, a thing, right? <laughs> they, yeah, they that's know a good that question. I don't know. They, they, they are told multiple times that they're all going to be, like, reincarnated into babies. So, like, yeah. if you, someone who's dead, like, there's nothing you can do. So she's, like, so beside herself, and then, like, the rain stops because she sort of, like, her face clears, and she's like, oh, my unfinished business isn't with my boyfriend, it's with you, Thomas. I, have to, I had to be the one to tell you not to make the same mistake that I did, where I let the love of my life get away. Like, Anne is the love of your life, and she left in anger, and, like, you have to go fix that now. You know, don't let her go. Don't let her go. And then she... And and Thomas is like I, I promise, I promise. And then she's like total again, totally peacefully like gets on David Paymer's ghost bus.
0: Yeah, and... and this is the point where I was like, Mah. and
1: then I was like, <laughs> I yep. was like, ah,
0: <laughs> stupid movie that should be stupid and is actually tugging at my heartstrings. <laughs>
1: oh oh and gd and she had said when he was a little boy she kept trying to hug him and kept saying i wish Uh, i could touch you yes i wish i could touch you i wish i could touch you and then this moment as they're about to part again she's like oh god i wish i could touch you and david pamer kind of looks up at the sky like huh you're like can you uh and they like embody her for a moment and she has a physical form, and so she's able to hug him, and they both finally get to, like, sort of have this emotional moment with each other, Uh, and then she gets up. This was rough on I know! This was the third time I cried, and then... (laughs) (laughs) This is the third and last time I cried. And then she gets on the bus, and she's gone, and now Thomas is left alone for the first time in his entire life. Oh, I hadn't even thought about that! You're right. Ugh. Yep. Rough. So then Thomas recreates the Botanic Garden sort of lunch situation with Anne. And he says, look, I had people who I loved when I was little and they went away. And so I spent my whole life kind of protecting myself by not really ever getting close to anybody again. But I'm kind of past that now. And here are the keys to my apartment and a nice lunch spread and flowers (laughs) and all that. And And, he said, I I need you and I love you. Yeah. Yeah. And she is pleasantly surprised and... (laughs) they kiss and it's a very like it's a dizzying. it's one of those dizzying going around like chidi and eleanor in the janet's episode spinning around shot and then that kind of the camera pulls out and i kept waiting for like them because it goes to like yeah Yeah. (laughs) it goes to like the sky and i was like oh we're gonna see like ghost bus flying past or we're gonna see like one of the spirits winking at us but it absolutely does not give you that satisfaction no, nope. nope. it is like I was waiting nope, for that too they are gone <laughs> goodbye <laughs> I said good day yes yeah this movie was great I don't know <laughs> I know right How many of these lost gems are out there that were like, you know, these like middle market movies that just never got the real sort of cultural cachet that some other movies did? Or they never got like bought to play on cable. So like there's some movies from this era that I think a lot of people our age like remember with a lot of fondness because they were just always on. They're like always on Comedy Central or they were always on VH1 or something like there's a lot of movies like that. But then there's movies like this that are like. Arguably better than a lot of the movies that we spent our childhoods watching, but they're just like lost to history. We should start an archival project.
0: <laughs> <laughs> movies of the Clinton era. <laughs> Mid-market. Yeah. I I don't know. I, I I was, like I said a million times, I was pleasantly surprised by this movie. Although one of the things, I will say that like, I'm surprised that they didn't address and I wonder if it's this thing that you were talking about where everything just like moved at a really fast clip was that he seems to have no relationship with his parents and that was not, Oh, that's interesting. And that was not the thing that had to get resolved Mm, because in the beginning, That that would have
1: potentially been quite messy.
0: Yeah. Because not in the very beginning, but in the beginning shot where we see him as like Robert Downey Jr. He has a car phone because right. It's the and 90s. Penny
1: mentions how he never calls his mom on it.
0: He never calls his mom, and then when she is getting on the bus towards the end, she's like, "Call your parents every once in a while." Like she's kind of admonishing him, but like in a nice mom kind of way. <laughs> and I thought it was sort of interesting that the whole his whole arc about like learning to trust people again and like le- letting people in again was with his girlfriend, which you know, makes sense. Like the, he's at that point in his life, he's in his thirties. I, you know, that would make sense. But his parents are like, we never see them. We never hear him talk about them. We never Mm. see them, you know, apart from him going like, and we also never know. I mean, you sort of assume that because these imaginary friends, quote unquote, went away and he heard, he overheard his parents yelling about how he needs to be committed that he probably just, you know, they probably didn't, he probably didn't have an easy adolescence. And Mm. so they probably don't really have a relationship, but I just thought that was
1: interesting that they were like never brought up again. It would have been slightly, you know, it, it would have had to have, the movie would have had to have a slightly different structure, I think. Yeah. And, yeah, it certainly would have been a lot less clean. I mean, because Anne is a complete innocent in this whole movie, right? She she does right. nothing wrong and she's not involved with this spirit stuff at all. Right. And it's a pretty normal sort of like fear of commitment thing with her. If it had been instead that the fourth spirit never got to say goodbye to their own parents or something. Yeah. And that was, but, but then she finds out, you know, she goes to have a, final moment with her parents and she finds out her parents are dead. And then she says, Oh, you know, Thomas, you have to go to your parents. Like then that becomes a whole, you know, it's a very, when it's a romantic story, it's a very easy coda of like, here's a romantic lunch and a key to my apartment. And I love you. Like the end, as opposed to like, Hey, um, Hey, remember when I I was
0: seven years old (laughs) and you
1: wanted to have me
0: committed to a mental institution. It turns out I didn't forget
1: about that. And also like those were spirits they weren't imaginary friends and they were real and i've just had hijinks with them and then he gets committed you know like
0: (laughs) like there's just
1: there's like no clean and i agree with you like that's an intriguing idea but it it like fundamentally doesn't work
0: or even just to be like i don't know I, i think even just to have some kind of i don't think you necessarily have to go into the whole thing but like to hear him at the phone on the end, like, mm-hmm. hey, mom, like, I, I want you to meet my girlfriend, right? Because you pro- he probably has never introduced a girl to his parents, right? Sure. So to be able to say, like, hey, mom, dad, like, I want you to meet my girlfriend, Elizabeth Shue,' Like, even just to have that to be like, oh, things are kind of normalizing, but they just like never appear, <laughs> which like, I understand.
1: But I think I thought it's that also was interesting. possible that the father is dead. Yeah. And, and the mom was the one who was not at all into the idea of sort of addressing this kid's mental health at all. Well, you know, so the, the father argues he's not actually trying to get him committed. He just wants him evaluated by psychiatrists or whatever. And the mom is like, no, he's just imaginative. Yeah. So maybe if the father is dead, because the father's never mentioned after the kid grows up, right? Yeah. Maybe if the dad is dead, then Thomas has like a fairly un... A uh, complicated relationship with his mom, maybe since she was the one sticking up for him. Ah, uh-uh. maybe. But yeah, yeah, certainly a, a little cutaway of him like talking on the phone to his mom really quick. You know,
0: yeah. I mean, because you're supposed to get this. I think honestly, you're supposed to get the sense throughout this movie that Alfred Woodard is his mom. Yes, definitely. Yeah. That his own parents were like, you know, we don't really see
1: much of their parenting. We see. More of. No, they're kind of sitting around just, you know, he, dad's reading the paper, mom's cooking, and it's the spirits who are like entertaining the baby. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah. It helps to have eternal patience when dealing with a young child.
0: <laughs> He's like, they're like, well, we're here forever, so. Yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Like, uh, yeah, I, it's not that I had. It's not that I necessarily wished that the movie was different, because I think you're right. It's like cleaner to have this be a romantic relationship you know, be the sort of uh, the analog that he's dealing with. But I thought it was interesting that, like, they just never saw his parents again.
1: I'm I, The metaphysics of this universe are slightly confounding to me. <laughs> I mean, I tried not to, like, dig too deep, but I was like, so David Pamer says he has to drive a bus, a spirit bus, for 500 years as penance... I guess for causing this bus accident. Yeah. However, Milo is a criminal. Mm-hmm. Are we to believe that he has simply never caused directly caused any deaths and that's the only thing that you get bus duty for? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's like it's like uh, the Mystery Science Theater 3000 episode Soul, episodes, yeah, soul Taker <laughs> where when you cause the death of people then you have to become a death bureaucrat. But otherwise, you're off the hook. So, like, Milo has been, like, a thief and a huckster and a shyster and a trickster and all that. But because he never killed anybody, although he came pretty close when he he was... He definitely hit that guy in the head. Yeah, he was in Thomas's body. He clocked an old, old man on the head. And I would not be surprised if that eventually caused that old, old man's death. <laughs> so like, if you cause deaths, you have to do penance. 500 years is a long time, but you have to do penance. And, but David Paymer's like, oh, time moves differently up there. So there is a heaven, but the only people in it are the death bureaucrats and the, uh, and then, <laughs> but if you are a person who didn't cause a death then your soul gets recycled upon your death and you go and get reincarnated. Is that? Do I have that right? (laughs) Uh... I don't know. (laughs) So, like, here's, like, the real... The narrative reason, right, is that there had to be a ticking clock. And... (laughs) And We Need Souls for Babies is about the only ticking clock that you can give people who are dead... (laughs) like yeah i guess you have to go to heaven right now well why can't we go to heaven in a week because there's a big concert the <laughs> the dead Beatles are gonna have a big concert like come on wait in 93 that was only john lennon right yes yes okay john there's a john lennon concert <laughs> in heaven that you Chubby all need Checker to get to it's to very go. important
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i guess I guess the other thing they could have done was have David Paymer have been avoiding picking these people up because he didn't, he knew that he caused their death and he didn't want to face them. Mm. And so maybe he'd been avoiding them for years and years and somebody upstairs was saying like, no, for real, you have to go get these people. And like, I'm not taking no for an answer. Mm. That could have done it. But there, So there's not really a ticking clock, so it wouldn't have been necessarily, like, I think they had to make David Pamer a little bit of the antagonist, or a little bit of the, like, pressure on them. Right. But the other way to play it is, like, once their their, you know, soul is at peace, then he can come pick them up. That would have been sort of the other way to do it rather than have him show up when they're not ready to go yet which is what happened
1: yeah but like they had to get this all until basically like a 48 hour time frame and so you need some kind of pressure and it's like well what is that functionally for a bunch of dead people
0: yeah i don't know
1: the other question i had was (laughs) so why did they get sent to a baby when that baby wasn't gonna be useful to them for like 20 years? Great question. And at some point, David Palmer says, well, like the first time David Paymer shows up, he says, I'm f- like 15 or 20 years late, but I'm here, so let's go. Which means Thomas is 33, which means they were supposed to take over his body and use them to finish their unfinished business when he was 13 to 18 years old. Uh. <laughs> that is that what i'm hearing (laughs) that definitely would have had him committed immediately
0: yeah right because he's a minor there was no you know he couldn't be like could you imagine if he i mean he would have ended up in like the juvenile detention system because this is like a bad this is a bad system heaven (laughs) they they would have they would have he would have been in that gangster's house trying to steal back like a sheet of zeppelin stamps or whatever nonsense this guy by the way i have a real problem with the first time we meet tom sizemore right he's like leaving he's like escaping the house but the kid the little kid himself is there being like why didn't you get back my stamps i was like little kid how do you know who stole the stamps from you and this guy is a for real criminal and you're like eight years old (laughs) like
1: what are you doing
0: and this yeah, Tom yeah like, this
1: this was certainly the, the plot that hung together the least. I,
0: I was like, what is this? I mean, I guess we had to know what this kid looked like so that when he was an adult, they could basically just put a pair of glasses on a guy who looked like <laughs> the kid version of this. You know what I mean? So we could be like, oh, that's the same guy. But there are plenty of ways you could have done it that didn't require time size more to like, have an interaction with a disappointed child who, like, if I'm Tom Sizemore, I'd be like, or if I'm Milo, I guess, in this situation,
1: I'd be like, you are a small child and I stole something from you, so what is our relationship status? (laughs) Oh, that's a great question. Like,
0: you know, I could- Also, like, if
1: you know who I am and what I stole, why did you not go to the police?
0: Why did you go to the (laughs) police? Why? like that makes no sense
1: (laughs) no sense no kind of sense whatsoever I mean it would make more sense if the kid were like his nephew or like just you know like anything or like
0: yeah or like his
1: girlfriend's nephew or (laughs) like like just some relationship or
0: if we saw him if we saw him steal it out of the kid's room or whatever, and then the kid comes running in and is like, hey, hey, but he's like out the door already. And then we see him like have a change of heart like once he gives it over, but then like he feels like there's nothing he can do. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so I
1: think I think unfortunately like the the opening scene of the movie, the screenwriter was super committed to keeping everything as the one day that they all die, right? Yeah. So you can't really have it so that you know, he stole them a week ago and is now having a change of heart, right?
0: Right, yeah. You'd have to have an immediate change of heart. <laughs> <Right>. um,
1: <laughs> yeah, there are structural issues with the Milo plot line, yeah. but I think they felt like they needed kind of like a comic relief character or a yeah, like what he, do you what do you want to call him? Uh, completely inappropriate,
0: but yeah, like for yeah. a child. <laughs> Yes. But there's a great scene towards the beginning when, like, the women are upstairs having a heart-to-heart. Tom Sizemore has little Robert Downey Jr.'s character, like, basically blindfolded, has, like, a hat over his head and is mm-hmm. making him turn the pages on like a dirty magazine. Yep. And the women are
1: not amused when they find <laughs> this out. Nope. And Harrison is like, oh, don't do that. But then like also reading the magazine. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's so weird. So yeah, like he's arguably
0: probably like the most detrimental. Like everybody else is, you know, obviously.
1: So that's, of- that's probably why he exists right now that you say that out loud. Like the, the, the rest of them probably could have kept it together <laughs> without yeah. this, without Thomas being called into child welfare yeah, services. Yeah, you're probably right. So they're like, well, how are we going to get this kid, you know, caught, basically, or or in the system or something? And it's like, well, what if one of the spirits is a thief who, you know, keeps acting incorrigibly?
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, what if he's just like a kind of a scumbag, but like a lovable scumbag? That's yeah, fine. he's a lovable scumbag is
1: a very apt description of this guy. <laughs> this would be like the Jason Manzoukas character if, we, if this were remade today. No, no, Zooks is a little too out there, I think. That's probably true. Yeah. But it's still affecting when he has to leave.
0: Yeah, I think so. I, think I would so.
1: I would say that Harrison is probably the least developed. Yeah. I.
0: He, d- he's sort of like the... A little bit of the intellectual one. He, he's a bit of a milk toast. Yeah, he appreciates music, obviously.
1: We never get any sense that he had any friends or family or lovers or anything.
0: He, he basically said, you know, when they're sort of arguing about whether or not to leave Thomas, he said, I never had any kids of my own, but I felt like Thomas is my kid.
1: Right. But it's just interesting because he's not a young man. No. I don't know how old Charles Grodin is in 1993. I don't I don't wish to uh besmirch the the man, but he seems like he's in his 40s. I'm Google that... it. <laughs> how old was Charles Grodin in 1993? Seems like he's he was in born his 40s. In
0: 1935. Wow.
1: Okay. So he's he's like he's like 50, he's actually pushing 60? 1935
0: to 1993?
1: Yeah, he's pushing 60. Yeah. So he so he's he's old and <laughs> <laughs> But like but th- so it's it's interesting that he there's never a whisper of like anybody in his life that he would like want to say goodbye to or like his is the his is the the quest with the least human sort of interaction or h- connection, human yeah. yeah human connection thank you his is the quest with the least human connection a- and so he sort of is the least developed of them because you know I never had the the courage to stand on stage, like, I don't know, man, that's pretty common. I have really bad stage fright. Like, it's not really hampering my life. (laughs) (laughs) He obviously, he has a job, you know, I think he works at a library or something. I don't know. He has a job, but does he have any humans in his life? It's, like, very unclear.
0: They could have potentially been, like, said, you know, he could have had one line of saying, like, you know, I never, I was too frightened to go on stage. I was too frightened to, like, ask this girl to marry me. I was too frightened to, you know what I mean? Like,
1: I thought they should have just made him gay, quite frankly.
0: Oh, yeah, maybe.
1: But maybe, I don't think maybe in 93 that would have been. Well, maybe, but, but he's like, also looking at the dirty magazine. So, eh, I don't know. Could have been just to fit in with Milo. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I don't know. He's a spirit. Do spirits have a sexuality? <laughs> good question. Yeah, I don't know. Do you want to say anything else about this, like, movie that's too
1: good for its own good? <laughs> well, I think, you know, it's just, I think it's a really, if someone is studying, like, how do I write a screenplay? Mm-hmm. I think this, this script is actually a really great example. <laughs> it is, because no, it's no, like. i
0: just laughing because you're right, I think. <laughs>
1: like how the stakes keep getting raised and the emotional investment gets higher and higher. And like, how do you set up a ticking clock? And like a lot of the things we've talked about are like, well, I wonder why they did it this way. And then we kind of worked backwards to like, oh, they had this problem in the script and then they had to figure out how to solve that problem. And this character or this situation was their solution to that problem. Right, exactly. So I i think it's a I think it's a really good example. If you're like, I want to write a screenplay, like this is a, it's a really neat tight, good screenplay. And if you happen to have hanging around David Pamer, Alfrey Woodard, uh, Kira, Kira Sedgwick, Charles Grodin, Robert Downey Jr., Tom Sizemore, and Elizabeth Shue, then you too can make this movie. <laughs> you too can make a movie
0: that, I mean, I have to, I think the last thing I will say is like all credit to Robert Downey Jr. Like he does, he is so good in this movie
1: Yeah, I I don't think I had ever really seen him in anything that made me go, wow, he's a really good actor. Like, seen all the Iron Mans, but, like, that doesn't make me think he's a good actor. (laughs) Like, it doesn't make me think he's a bad actor. It just makes me think he's a guy in a Marvel movie. Like, it doesn't require a lot of acting.
0: Yeah. I mean, I would argue, like, the first one had its moments. You know, the first Iron Man had its moments. They're
1: good movies, but they don't require a lot of range.
0: Yeah, that's true. This certainly requires more range. What do I remember him from? Zodiac, certainly. That was a very different part than a I lot I mean, of...
1: a chaplain is supposed to be amazing, but I've never seen it.
0: Oh, you know, I saw The Judge, where he's the son of Robert Duvall. That movie was okay. You know, he does a good job. Like, Robert Downey Jr. does a good job, but I think maybe the difference is, at this point, like, so The Judge is basically like, he's got a tense relationship with his father, he doesn't know how to let people in, blah, blah, blah. It's like, he as an adult i think plays a lot of these characters that like you know are kind of tough on the outside and and have a marshmallow center the way that like tony stark is well he doesn't have a marshmallow center he has like a i don't know what well, how would you describe tony stark <laughs>
1: Uh, Kind of an a-hole, frankly.
0: Yes. I mean, me too, but I am in love with him. So that's kind of... Yes, you and I have
1: different Avengers that we would uh, marry. Mine, of course, is the Hulk.
0: The first time you ever saw... You saw the first Iron Man before I did, and you called me. And I specifically remember you saying you are going to want to do some things that are not safe for work to Robert Downey (laughs) Jr. after you see this. And I was like, huh, because I was in college and I didn't really know Robert Downey Jr. Because, you know, we kind of missed movies like this. And uh, Much to our now- I Shagrin. know. <laughs> and now I, and then I saw the first Iron Man and I was like, you are correct. Um, <laughs> but like, so in The Judge, it's sort of the same character that we'd seen him play for a while. But I think this, to, I think this is an example of seeing an actor that. I know really well, like later on in their career, seeing them earlier in their career and going, Oh, this person had something at a really young age. Mm-hmm. I felt the same way about Leonardo DiCaprio because I didn't really, I wasn't really on the Titanic
1: train, the, sh- the ship, if you will. The
0: ship. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But I, you know, saw some, movies I've still and- never
1: seen Titanic. Don't at me. It's
0: fine. It's, you know, whatever. It's whatever. But like, you know, I saw I would I saw him later on and stuff and then I saw him very do like as a teenager basically. I I went back and watched Romeo plus Juliet. Oh my god, that movie. Uh, yeah, and I was like, "Oh, you are special. Like yes, this is you totally. are a real talent." And I think this is the kind of thing where Robert Downey Jr. as a young man was like oh wow this is he's got a lot of talent and a lot of promise and I'm actually just sort of glad that he kind of made it out of the woods and is and is a lot la- and you know has a second wind in his career now
1: yeah that he that he got away from addiction because yeah, I think it's, a, it's a recovery.
0: lot of, a lot of people in his generation like River Phoenix mm-hmm. you know like who for for all I've heard is like was like that same kind of like very special talent you know obviously didn't make it and there are some others along the way that, you know, haven't quite had that level of success after being successful at a young age. So I'm glad he's like, you know, doing it.
1: Three cheers for RDJ. hip, yeah, hip hooray
0: And he, he is fine in this movie. He is <laughs> quite fine. Like I said before, I think Elizabeth Shue just puts up with some of his nonsense because he looks like Robert Downey Jr., which <laughs> I ain't mad at it because I would have done the same thing.
1: <laughs> okay, so we don't exactly know what order we're going to do movies or what exactly we're going to do. There's a sort of slate of possibilities. It turns out there'd be, there's a lot of movies about the afterlife. We're thinking about uh, ghost. Mm-hmm. All of me. Mm-hmm. Right. Although that one is questionably about the afterlife. I'm, I'm wondering if that's really on theme.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, defending. It's also your li-
0: another like take over your body kind of thing. Yeah. It's so. maybe a
1: little too similar to this. Yeah. Defending your life with Albert Brooks. I've thought about um. Ah, oh crap. Let me, let me Google this. You know what I thought about today? Go ahead. Is Safe Haven. Uh, no. No. <laughs> she's
0: a girl. Go- she's a girl. No.
1: Absolutely not.
0: Why not?
1: So I, I've also thought about either the original Heaven Can Wait or the Chris Rock remake Down to Earth.
0: Oh, I like Down to Earth. I like it a yeah. lot.
1: Also, yeah. um, Meet Joe Black is on Netflix if we wanted to watch
0: that. That's a remake of Death Takes a Holiday. Yeah, although that's not really about the
1: afterlife, right?
0: I don't know. It's about death. Yeah, but... well, I mean, this isn't re- <laughs> really about... We don't know how this afterlife works. We just yes, see we do. They're reincarnated.
1: On this is, come on, they're spirits. <laughs> that's the afterlife. Cut me a break. <laughs> that's true, I guess. Ugh. So we're thinking about those movies. If you have any other movies that you think are in this category and you would want us to watch, just tweet at us or email us. At the Good Play Pod or thegoodplaypod at gmail.com. I'm thinking March, I think Brianna is going to sign on to this very quickly. I was thinking March could be Marvel month. Oh. Because Captain Marvel is coming out in March. Yeah. So we could do various Marvel movies and then just we would do Captain Marvel sort of in the middle of the month. Yeah, man. Until next time, just avoid any ghost buses. Yeah, I mean, if
0: David Pamer is driving, don't get on that trolley. Just don't do it. We'll see you next time, invisible friends.
1: so okay um, um um i don't want to say something really i was gonna be like till next time you know hug a bug but like i don't want to be sad um, <laughs> till next time don't get a seven-year-old to place your bets at the racetrack you crazy person <laughs> no um i guess you know uh until next time keep on laughing at the wall what That's from the beginning of the movie when the the baby's always laughing at the wall the parents what the parents are saying. No, okay. Um,
0: No, I mean, we can do that. No,
1: it's fine.